Today, we've got two great guests, one of which has sold tens of millions of dollars on Amazon, and the other has helped sellers get tens of millions of dollars reimbursed by Amazon. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Are you a YouTube vlogger, blog writer, course creator, or other kind of influencer or educator? Maybe you just have a network of people interested in e-commerce. Did you know that you can earn commissions of 25% for life for everyone that you refer to Helium 10? We've got many partners earning hundreds, even thousands of dollars monthly in commission from Helium 10's partnership program. If you'd like to join our affiliate partner program, please go to h10.me forward slash crush it and tell them you heard about it from the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And uh, like we've done before, we have two for the price of one. We're going to have a couple guests on this episode, and the first one here is Fernando. Fernando, how's it going? I'm good, Bradley. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Now, where are you located? Are you still in like the, the LA area or where are you at? Uh, yeah. So right now, uh, I actually am in LA for a few days, but I've been kind of bouncing around all this year between Colombia, Argentina. Uh, like, like digital nomad lifestyle or you actually live somewhere else now or what's going on? Yeah, good question. Uh, so yeah, my wife and I are, I guess, I guess, digital nomads. I don't know. We don't use that term. Uh, but yeah, we're kind of. I don't of use that around. term either. But you know, I think yeah. that's a standard phrase for it. Yeah, no, the, you're you're right. Uh, I don't. Know, I feel like that's like the young thing to do when you're in your 20s. Sadly, I'm not in my 20s anymore. Uh, but yeah, we'll hop around. We'll get like an Airbnb usually for like five to six weeks, and then we'll we'll change like Airbnb. So it's not like we're you know kind of going from hostel to hostel every two days. It's mm-hmm. something a lot slower than that, I guess you would say. Part of the reason you're able to do this now is you've been you've been selling on Amazon for quite a while. When did you first get into the industry? We got in back in 2014, actually. And so yeah. Yeah, we started, jumped right into private label and I've been selling there since. You've done a lot of different things, you know, in 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 the industry, both selling on your own and you, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you've run like large communities for sellers and, and had courses and 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 now uh, I believe you know you, you work for an agency that that helps that that helps sellers. What's your favorite aspect of it? I would say it's a kind of a tie. I think the agency is amazing. Um, you know, for for really getting to help other sellers. I mean, we've done we've been very fortunate. We've done really well selling our own brands. But then I think you know helping other brand owners like, you know, kind of achieve either a monetary success or kind of um, like the revenue goals that they're hitting, like, you know, shooting for, I think is really rewarding because I think you get to work with mm-hmm. cool founders and then that is, is really inspiring. Um, and then, but yeah, I mean, also I love like creating brands and like launching products and all, I mean, the things that we're really good at. And yeah. so, um, I, I would say it's like a tie between those. Like one is a little bit more selfish, truthfully. And then I guess one is like kind of helping others, which which is always really cool. And you have those success stories that are, sure. are that are really meaningful naturally. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, like, like it's one thing. It's, it was fun growing like the Project X, you know, coffin shelf and egg tray account just mm-hmm. because it was like, oh, yeah, hey, I, you know, I made that. But then when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, 
thanks to Project X, you know, I started my own Amazon business and I've made a million dollars and changed my life. That's like just way more rewarding. I, exactly. I don't know if I'd feel differently if I actually was able to get money from the coffee. Like I've never gotten a cent. That's all helium 10 money. But, you know, maybe, 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 maybe right. I, 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 would, I wouldn't be as unselfish there, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the reward is, is amazing when it's like that. Now, you know, speaking back to your selfish side, not selfish, but you know, like when you were doing stuff on your own and with partners and, or, and, and running your own brands, which year would you say was your peak year of sales? Like, like when was it? I would say, honestly, maybe not in terms of revenue, but in terms of bottom line, it's this year mm -hmm. actually. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's surprising. Yeah. I think because we, we still own like five supplement brands, um, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty heavy into supplements. And so I think where a lot of people are seeing some down years, I mean, we were good about continuously launching products. Uh, naturally, we launched a lot towards the end of the year, uh, last year. And then, so we've had a huge, huge 2022 thing. We're up. Now you've years. exited some uh, brands? Correct. Yeah. We sold some brands in 2020 as well. Oh, 2020, before it was fashionable, uh, even. Huh? <laughs> yeah, before it was like the, the cool thing to do, I guess. We were on the okay. earlier side of the of the craziness. Were of those supplements as well? Uh, no, those were mostly home and kitchen. Okay. Now, um, what what's different? You know, like you said, you've been selling since 2014 compared to now. And you're, you know, you've, you found success before. I remember, I think you were like, you know, you're part of like eight-figure seller way back in like 2018 even. Um, and then you said, hey, now is it like even your most most uh profitable year so so you obviously found success in the early days of amazon you found success in in when it's supposedly harder you know when there's more competition and you know higher ppc costs and different things have to navigate so what would you say is some of the the things that you really have to shift how you uh you know manage your brands or or your clients brands for that matter here at you know now coming up to 2023 as opposed to to the the good old days as some people call it <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Um, it's a great question. So I think, you know, back in the day, like the good old days, you could be strong in certain areas and then weak in other areas. But overall, as long as you were launching a product, you would probably do well. Like, you know, especially if it was like 2014, 2015 days. I think now the way that I see it is that like, imagine you have like, I don't know, these knobs of like, and they're scored one to 10, for instance. And you have, let's say, your listing content, your product development, your advertising, your supply chain. And before where you could have some of them be kind of like fives and sixes, but like some like, and then a lot of them at eight or nines, tens, you would be fine. You would have an Amazon business and you would do well. At this stage, I think you basically have to have everything like as an eight, nine, and 10. Because if you don't, if you're not dialed in the supply chain, for instance, your forecasting's off, your inventory gets restricted, you're, you're getting killed in storage fees, your freights are too high. Uh, if you're not good at advertising, like you're inefficient in your spend and like your margins are already lower because Amazon's increasing their fees. And so I think it's, it's about really figuring out which of those knobs can you really own? Can your business partner own? Do you need to like delegate to an employee or whatever? But I, I would say like that is like the, fundamental difference is you can't be like having a five or six in one of those really crucial categories anymore. It's like, you have to really figure out how you're going to divide and conquer. All right. Our next guest here that we have, let's go ahead and introduce him to the show is Rob from Gatita, AKA the money man. Rob, how's it going? Yeah, it's going good, Bradley. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Now, 
Uh, for those watching this on YouTube, he is not wearing his suit that he is famous for. But if, <laughs> if you don't know Rob by name, but you've ever been to an Amazon conference, I guarantee you've seen him. He's the guy who wears head to toe, you know, hat to suit, jacket, pants, everything made out of uh, dollar dollar bills. That's why they call him the money man. But uh, Rob, when, when did you first get that suit? Yeah, so I actually got that suit, uh, let's see, it was a couple of prospers ago, so uh -huh. we'll say uh, just about a year and a half ago. And actually, uh, I bought it without anybody at Katita, the CEO, the co-founders, not even knowing what I was going to do. It was my first actual live event with uh, Gatita in person, and I was just like, hey, I've got, we got to do something special. We got to show up. We got to get attention. Uh, went up to their hotel room in the suit, but had all these extra accessories. We still hadn't figured out. We didn't even know it was called the money man at that point. And, uh, I'd ordered it actually just to everybody who asked me where I, where I get the suit, I actually ordered it off Amazon. So it was actually ordered off to Amazon, showed up to the hotel room in this suit, put together some accessories and some, uh, hat and everything to go with it. And, uh, I turned to eight on our CEO and he kind of looks at me and he goes, wow, this is either going to be a, a train wreck or a, a amazing thing. So we get down the elevator as we're walking over to the uh, Prosper show. I think I got stopped at least twice and asked to take pictures with me. And Aton kind of goes, yeah, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> nice. So yeah, it was just a, just about a year and a half ago that we started with the money suit. Well, we have, you know, that's something you and I share in common where we, we kind of go against the grain, uh, you know, as far as uniform, you know, like I'm the only one wearing like helium 10 jerseys and, and, and baseball hats and everything, uh, when I'm out there, yeah. not the typical evangelist, uh, uh, strategy, but Hey, we're, um, people remember, you know, people don't might not remember my name, but they're, Oh, that's the hat guy. Or that's the Jersey guy. And they they might not remember Rob, but they remember the, the money suit. So anyways, you know, Gatita, I think a lot of people have been, you know, you know, know, knowing about Gatita for years and, and they see it, uh, in our seller solutions hub. Um, but you know, you weren't around at the founding of Gatita, but you know, I'm right. sure you know the backstory, like how did, how, what, how did they come about deciding that this was kind of a need in the industry? Because I think since you guys have come around now, all of a sudden there's everybody and their, their brother and sister trying to like, you know, piggyback off of your success, but you guys were kind of like the first in the game to really, you know, put your foot forward with this. But how did that even come uh, about? Yeah. And I'm going to just kind of paraphrase the story. Uh, so yeah, Gatita has been around for a little over eight years. Uh, Yoni and Max are actually the co-founders and they were basically sellers. So they were just selling, uh, let's in the garment uh sort of uh category and they just kept having all these returns and all these issues and uh you know they kept kind of going okay well you know according to amazon's terms of service we can do this we can get a refund for this refund for that so they you know just kind of kept seeing that need to hire people to go get these refunds and max uh you know basically has uh this dev type background and I really understands, you know, the developer type side of the house. And he's like, man, I think I could, uh, you know, write some software. Now, there is rules around this, just to clarify this before I go too much further. Uh, you know, Amazon does have rules on, you can have software go look for some of these issues. And that's what obviously, uh, you know, Max wrote for, uh, wrote was to go look at some of these issues, right? Go find these issues, pull it into, let's just call it a bucket, right? It's not really a bucket, but into a database, and then that way the different people could, uh, you know, pull out of there and go talk to Amazon, fill out the paperwork, try to get refunds for them. It was all originally done for just in-house issues. 
So they originally had an in-house, uh, you know, client or basically people looking for the issues that they were having, um, had the pleasure of this year actually uh, being out to at our uh, corporate headquarters. And I was having dinner with Yoni and uh, his family. And he goes, right across the street from this little uh, pizza shop. He's all, that's where Gatita started. He's all, there's a little room in the back of this building. And he goes, and, and that's where, where we kind of- Where was this? It, it, this was in Teaning, New Jersey. Okay. And uh, I, I don't know the exact street, but he took yeah. me out to- Oh, in New Jersey, that's what I was looking for. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, literally, he, he's pointing at this almost like a FedEx office. And he goes, and behind there is a little tiny uh, uh, shop, basically. And that that's where they kind of put some of the people to kind of get started. And that's where Gatita kind of started was in this little tiny shop. And again, it was just a piece of software that was basically going out looking for issues. But because of Amazon's terms of service, you have to manually submit those. Meaning yeah. somebody has to look at them, make sure the issue hasn't been submitted already, and then they submit it uh, to get it. Now, people started finding out that Yoni and Aton were doing this. Uh, I'm sorry, that uh, Yoni and uh, Max were doing this. And basically were saying, hey, would you help me do it? Would you help me get refunds? And so they started saying, okay, we'll do it for a small fee. We'll do it for a fee and start, you know, basically bringing on these uh, people that they knew and kind of that were close to them. And that mm -hmm. just started building up over time, you know, and it started just getting to a point where it became its own thing. So, you know, Getita has been around a very long time, uh, which actually benefits our customers. You know, the fact is we've seen a lot of different issues that most refund companies don't see. Because we've been around, we know where we can get your refunds and how deep we can go, what will work, what won't work. Uh, when I came on board, there was around maybe 40, 50 uh, employees about a year and a half ago. And now we're over 140 employees. So, And, and just to give you kind of a, a little extra on that, Bradley, uh, of those, let's say 140, around 80 of them only handle filing reimbursements for customers. So there, it takes a pretty substantial team uh, to handle that amount of refunds that we're doing every single day for the amount of customers we have. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's been, and then kind of just fast ride. forward this story to the end and then, yeah. and then we'll go mm -hmm. in and fill in the blanks, but sure. Just, just to wow people off the top of your head, some of your customers, like what is the most you have gotten them like in one month where you just had a monster customer and they, they hadn't even done been doing this on their own. So like the, I'm sure it's always usually the first month that, that, that it happens, but like, what's the biggest month payday that you have found that Amazon owed a specific seller? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go into exact amount, but I'm, I'm going to give you enough that you could probably figure it out. How about that? So we, we do have a, a few sellers in that uh, $500 million category. And as far as their gross sales. Yes, their gross sales. Okay. Uh -huh. and, and on average, and this is actually true for all uh, clients of Gatita, on average, we recover 1% to 3% of your annual FBA sales every single year. So you every figure single year. Even, so. Every single year. So even if we're looking at uh, you know $500 million seller at 1%, I mean, that you know, you're talking a pretty substantial amount of money every single year, and then start breaking that down by month. Uh, it, it starts getting big. Now, you know, the other thing, and, and Bradley, you probably, I don't know if you know this uh, 100% or not, but when customers sign up, Amazon allows us to go back 18 months and look for past issues. So you're, you're right. Uh, that first, let's call it three months, usually you see a substantial amount of money come in because we were able to go back that 18 months and actually get you more money back uh, from past, from past issues. And then, of course, going forward, like I said, it, you know, it's one to three percent annually every single year. 
that we would get back in and FBA uh, reimbursements. All right, now back to Fernando. Well, let's just talk about specific strategies now. You know that now you know for 2023, as we know, you know, like for example, somebody might say, "Oh, you know, I'm still going to do the search find buy method or something like." Nope, that's you know went out of TOS you know a year or two ago. You know, like oh, I'm going to do have my friends and family leave reviews. Nope, can't can't do that anymore. But you know, I I sometimes you know no matter how big a seller, you're kind of limited. Uh, with how many strategies or, or unique things that you're doing because it's still for your own brands. But when you're an agency or a consultant, like sometimes I feel like you, you, you come up with way more, you know, you get, you know, confronted with way more obstacles and way more, you know, use cases. So I really love, you know, talking to people who who work with a variety of sellers, because I think you guys are exposed to, to more things. So like, what, what are some of the things, uh, roadblocks let's just talk about that the, the the big failures like what are some like terrible things that have happened to your brands or your clients brands that you've had to kind of like get them out of the gutter uh on yeah it's a good question i would say the first one that comes to my mind is just doing an undifferentiated product and so sometimes we'll see a product coming in from a client and it's like the exact same thing as everybody else and you know it fits in line with their the brand and it's like, it's the right type of product. But when we look at it, we're like, Hey, like this is just not going to do well. You're going against people with tens of thousands of reviews. This isn't really differentiated. And so like we can market it and we can do our best, but truthfully, like it's just not going to be successful because there's no reason for the customer to choose this one over the other five that have been there longer. Right. And so I think that's like the first mistake that we see i think the second um that we see is like let's say we're doing an audit for for a brand and we're looking at their main image and it's just so busy and there's like you can't really tell like what the product is used for or they're just not displaying it in the right way that it you know really optimizes for click-through rate and so i think we're constantly thinking about that we're um Leveraging a lot of like the polling software out there, like IntelliV or Salometrics, PicFu, any of those, um, and mm-hmm. and leveraging that to make kind of more data driven decisions with our design team, and that's huge. That a lot of people don't really spend enough time on, and it's, and especially if you're the entrepreneur, like moving that earlier into your product development process. So instead of like by the time you spend all this time, like I think what we used to do is that we'd come up with a product you know, basically get it ready, like to be shipped and then start designing the main image. But instead now, like what we're doing, even with our own products is that we're shifting that process of like the polling campaigns or testing it against the main images of your competitors way earlier, because it could be that you realize like, Hey, I'm not getting like 50% of the votes or 60% of the votes. And that's my bare minimum. And so you might cut a product because it's not getting that votes before you go through the pricing and like the, the back and forth of samples and all of that kind of stuff. So you can save a lot of time by using those types of like kind of online focus groups is kind of how we think about it. Um, yeah, I think other big mistakes is just going too wide, not really having a customer anymore. Like I think in the past, yeah, you could just launch in any category. It's just going to work. But naturally, like to your point, like with all the TOS changes and it just being a lot more difficult to introduce products, then you need to really be a little bit more focused now starting to like learn the off Amazon marketing. Once you probably hit like, I would say like three to 5 million in, in your is 
just my opinion. But I think those are some of the things that I would start think um, th- that I see the most often. Think back in the last six months, uh, a very successful launch that that you either did for your own brand, or one of your brands, partners' brands, client brand, whatever. And when I say successful, that that's subjective. I don't know. Let's just say it's you know it's it's doing now like thirty to fifty units a day or something of sales. Uh, have sure. you had any uh, launches like that in the last six months? Yeah, a bunch. Yeah, we're good at launching. Okay. We we know what we're All right. doing. Yeah, perfect. I didn't know that, but, uh, but I asked <laughs> yeah. this. All right. So now think yeah. think think about that. Now, sure. You, do you have one in mind? Yeah. In your in your head. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, was this? a brand new brand and this is just a new thing or was this like a product line extension? It's an existing brand and now you're launching a new product. This one specifically was a new brand. Okay. Uh, all right. So new brand, this is great. You know, 2022, 2023. First of all, how did the brand owner decide on the product? Like, like what, you know, did, did they see something trending on TikTok? Did they just use black box and helium 10 or were they just, Looking at bestsellers, like like, how did they land on this product? If you can recall, yeah, it's a good question. So I know, I know tangentially that they they had sold their their business, I think, last year, and then so I've been working on this new idea for quite a while. Uh, truthfully, I'm not sure if they 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 probably use like a combination of like um, you know X ray, I, I would assume, and then just like. You know, naturally, once you've sold like a brand, you can kind of start over, and you just more like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And so, for instance, we were in home and kitchen. We were doing a lot of non consumable products. So when we were looking at new product lines after we sold, we're like, okay, we're doing consumables. And so I think this founder kind of came in with the same idea: like, I'm doing a consumable. I'm I'm kind of switching categories because typically you have a non compete anyways. So when you first looked at this, if you can recall it, like what looked good in this market to you? Like was the comp- did the competition suck or or was it fairly new or, or their idea was, was kind of fresh or, or like why did you get excited if you did about this launch? I think it's a lot of those things that you already touched on. I think it was a differentiated offer. It was like a relatively new space. So the incumbents weren't that sophisticated and didn't have like that much of a head start. It's not like, I don't know, Silicon Gorilla Gloves where you're going to just get like owned because there's no way of really differentiating those very well. Um, and it's super saturated. Um, they had great branding, I think because they'd already had exited They you know, they were able to invest funds into it. Um, and, and it, and it's kind of more environmentally friendly. So it's, it's going where things are, are moving towards, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it's good for the world. And so I think it has that kind of social component, which I think makes me feel good naturally, like as, as like, you know, an agency owner, but, and then also it's just generally where things are moving towards, uh, which, which is great as well. All right. Now, now back to Rob, um, you know, one, one question I had, you know, was, was, you know, I, I think it's, it's pretty, everybody knows that. Hey, like if I'm a Helium 10 user, I should be using Refund Genie because it's free and and it it, it searches uh you know two of the most common ones, but which are lost and damaged. Uh, but of everything that you guys search for, you know, which is more than that, you know, which is why there is even is a space for for Gatita in the industry. What are the top three things that people are owed the most money for? I would assume that lost and or damage might be one, if not two, of the top three, but. Obviously, Helium 10 doesn't find that third one because we only do two. But what what, what, what do you see out there? 
Yeah, you know, it, it kind of, uh, you're, and you're 100% right. And we always recommend everybody using Refund Genie, uh, especially if it's part of your, uh, you know, package that you're paying for already. Uh, Gatita is an add-on to that Refund Genie uh, capability and just goes deeper. So you are 100% right, Bradley. Uh, you know, lost, uh, damaged, uh, broken merchandise, uh, those are, are, they're not, those are all actually separate. So, and then after that, you know, it kind of, it kind of gets a little scattered. Um, there is things like weight and measurement issues. And that is something that you have to actually uh, do kind of do yourself. We'd provide it in our dashboard, your current weights and measurements, but it's up to the actual seller to go in and give us the correct weight and measurement issues that we can go file a refund for or a reimbursement for. Um, and you know, that is, so miscategorization is another one. Um, so really, I guess what I'm trying to say, Bradley, just to answer your question directly, uh, really kind of get scattered after those first two. And that's probably why helium 10 kind of picks those because those are the ones yeah. that are kind of the easiest to find they is the ones that happen the most often. Um, but realistically the scenarios start going way deeper and many and a lot wider uh and many of them uh kind of after those first two so there okay. isn't really a specific pinpoint one uh, but i always recommend looking at those weight and measurement issues for example let's say a customer asked for a refund and then they return the product because amazon was late on delivery like let's say it was like hey you're gonna get this in two days it got there in four so the customer is like all right send this back and then you know now now I don't know what happens at inventory, but like, is there anything there that Amazon owes the seller or that's just the cost of doing business? Cost of doing business. Yeah. So Ugh. I'll, I'll give you a similar scenario where you are owed a refund. Um, so if Amazon FBA ships out an item to a customer and let's say a customer gets on uh, the Amazon chat and is able to somehow say, Hey, I'm not happy with this, whatever the scenario is on and reason why. And let's say Amazon uh, turns around and issues them a refund but and, and tells them, hey, you need to ship it back or gives them the label. And let's say that customer just doesn't do it. They just don't yeah. ship it back. Yeah. After, uh, after a fixed amount of time, if they haven't shipped that back, you're actually due a refund back. So even though- Because, because you, refunded, get, you get debited the instant that they yeah. ask, okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. So if that item never came back, you're also due a refund. So, you know, there, so there's a scenario kind of similar to what you just said, but if for any reason they got a refund and they didn't ship your item back, you are due a refund, uh, for that not coming back. So interesting. That's okay. A, yeah. That's a pretty good one. All right. Now, um, another question I had was, I swear I saw like on LinkedIn or Facebook or something, there was some kind of memo that some sellers got about how much they can get reimbursed about something. And then according, you know, to their interpretation of it, it might seem like, hey, we're only going to get fair market value now. Like, have you seen anything? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I swear I, I saw this exactly. all over LinkedIn yep. a couple weeks ago. Yep. Yeah. So what, what, you're, what you're referring to is, uh, and we talk about this when we're at shows or we're talking to potential customers. So what happens is you actually get your money back based on the sale price. Now, let's go over this a little bit more. Okay. Uh, the average sale price over the last, I can't remember if it's 30 days. I think it's 90 days, actually. The average of 90 days, which also means that if you put it on sale, let's say in the last 90 days, but then you also had it at full retail at some point, they're going to average those out. So whatever that average is, what you're going to get your money back on minus any fees like you sold the item. Okay. So if, if for any reason it got damaged, they're going to take an average for the last 90 days of what you've been selling it at, 
and then they're going to take out their fees as if you sold it. That's how they calculate what you're going to get back. So it's not necessarily a guessing game. It is an actual, I don't want to say science, but it is written how, how they calculated it. And uh, that's basically how they come up with the number on how, what you're going to get. All right. Now back to Fernando. Now, um, what was your launch strategy? Like, like I'm sure you, you know, use Helium 10 to like know which keywords you needed to get sales on, but, but what was your strategy as far as trying to get to page one for those uh, keywords in a world where, you know, we don't have two-step URLs and, and, and things like that? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So we have a huge list that we're always able to to leverage um, as well that just kind of takes offers. That helps a ton. I think we also, I, I think a lot of people will go after this kind of spray and pray strategy and they're just going after all of the keywords, um, which I just don't think that works as well anymore. And so we go kind of think of it as more like a, a sniper approach, a very like focused approach. And so we'll identify the top three to five keywords um, that we're going to really focus on and make sure that we're going to convert for. And the way that we think about it is like, okay, first, what is the most relevancy, right? And so let's use like an example is like you could go after like immunity supplement, but that doesn't really tell you anything, right? Because an immunity supplement could be vitamin C, could be zinc. Um, could be elderberry. There's all these different options. And then you still don't even know, is it a liquid? Are you looking for tablets? Are they looking for capsules? And so that's a, it's a really broad, like, yeah, non-relevant term, but I'm sure it's a ton of volume. And sure. so instead, we're going to go after like vitamin C tablets with this many milligrams. And so it's hyper, hyper relevant to the product. Um, and so one, we're really focused on relevancy and then the other, like, I guess, barometer is like the volume. And so we're kind of like identifying that again, like the top three or five keywords in terms of the highest relevancy and the highest volume and kind of weighing those two. And then we're going to really focus on those three to five keywords and then basically make sure that we uh, start ranking there. Obviously, we're leveraging a ton of PPC uh, because like that's going to... Um, that's going to help like kind of feed the algorithm. But then again, it kind of comes back to the polling campaigns that we talked about earlier is that when we're launching a product, we know that we're going to get like 50, 60% of the votes because we spent so much time like optimizing that main image, which I don't think enough people focus on today. And so those are a lot of the things that we're thinking about um, when we're introducing new products to the marketplace. Yeah, he, he um, guys, he, he mentioned PickFu earlier. You know, we've got PickFu right inside of Helium 10. It's called Helium 10 Audience. So go to PickFu or, or you know, just go into your Helium 10 dashboard and, and do audience. And this is, it's like you know, anybody can do split testing after the fact. You know, and you should, sometimes you should. You know, Amazon even has an A/B testing you know feature. But, but it's so much better to have the, all this done research done before. So you start from day one on the right foot. All right, let's go back to Rob now. Now, regardless if somebody's using you know Gatita or or Helium 10 Refund Genie or whatever. What are some some best practices you can tell sellers when, when it comes to the this this kind of thing? Like maybe I'm not ready yet to 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 use Gatita or I'm not ready to you know I don't have Helium Ten I can't use Refund Genie, but what what's an easy win that you could say like where people because I, I would say most sellers might not even realize that Amazon <laughs> owes them owes them money. But is that's there true. anything that could you could say that's like preventative care or just something I can even do on my own just to get started on this? Yeah. So this entire process of doing refunds can be done on your own. Uh, obviously, with uh, Helium 10, they have Refund Genie that will kind of alert you to different possible issues that you can get refunds for. And you're going to have to submit the paperwork. So there is entire, actually, I think, uh, three hour, maybe even four hour 
uh, webinar that myself, Yoni, and Lisa did that really almost steps you through the process of doing a refund for yourself. And in there, it, it, it's very long, very tedious. So there really isn't an easy way, Bradley. Uh, there's not really an easy way to do it, um, but it can be done. And don't get me wrong, it can definitely be done. Uh, m- what I usually suggest is, uh, you know, kind of a separate suggestion is keep track of your weights and measurements. Um, you know, when you're dealing with a factory, even if it's not coming to you directly and it's say it's, it's coming in, it's going directly into the FBA warehouse, uh, have your factory weigh it for you, have the factory get you the weight, uh, the weights and the dimensions of the package that's going to ship out. So that way, uh, when you do download that database of the weights and measurements, you'll know almost immediately if uh, some of those are incorrect. And the reason I bring this up is weight and measurement issues we can only go back 90 days to get your refund. So every item that sold incorrectly for the last 90 days or shipped out at the wrong amount because they overweighted it or something like that, uh, we can get your refund back on that. Uh, issues like you're, you're referring to that uh, Refund Genie helps you with uh, are capable of going back 18 months. So uh, Refund Genie will, you know, yeah, so it'll go back, uh, you know, anything that has to do with, uh, you know, broken merchandise, uh, lost merchandise in the warehouse, it can go back 18 months to get that. And uh, But definitely that weight and measurement issues and miscategorization, if they put you in the wrong category and you're like getting charged, let's say 7%, it should be really like 5%, uh, that discrepancy of that 2% uh, for each product sold, which could be pretty hefty in Q4, uh, as we know. Uh, that is something that you have to obviously bring to our attention to be able to go back and get that refund. But those are things that are due to you. Again, everything I'm describing, you can do, including what Refund Genie does. It can all be done manually by yourself. It just is a long process. Like I said, four-hour webinar just on how to do, uh, you know, how to do these things manually. Not sure it's necessarily worth your time. I'm sure you can make a lot more money watching Bradley, looking at ways to find new products, uh, getting scores and results and keep searching for better ways. Right. So uh, yep. that's where I think you should focus your time. So I think guys, you know, th- there's actually a tool that we haven't mentioned today outside of refund genie that helps with one thing that Rob was talking about uh, helium 10 alerts. You know, if you're sure that once you're sure that your dimensions are good, like when you first launch a product immediately turn on alerts, because if Amazon goes and remeasures it randomly, which trust me guys, it happens like uh, I, the, the coffin shelf, they did it and I got an alert, but I, I never paid attention to it because I'm dumb. And then it was like five months later, I found out that I had been charged like about $5,000 more because, you know, they only changed a couple of inches, but it was like the difference between standard size and large standard size or whatever. And I was selling in those days, hundreds and hundreds of coffin shelves. We, they literally had taken $5,000 that they shouldn't have. Now, just as Rob said, that one, I could not get all $5,000 back because it was it was beyond you know the, the time limit. Um, I could only get like $3,000 back. But if I had just followed the alert when it happened, I could have saved that, you know, that, that whole amount. So um, the, you know, I'm sure some people might wonder like, all right, well, refund GDA, I know how that works, but, but Gatita, like, you know, how much am I, you know, is it a monthly fee or, or how do I pay you guys? Or how do you guys even, how do you guys even, um, uh, you know, connect to seller central to request this money and, and things like that. Yeah. So, so it, we're not a monthly fee. Uh, we don't have, we're basically a performance-based company, meaning that we only charge a small percentage when we recover money for you. If we spend four to eight hours on an issue and Amazon says, we're still not going to give you a refund back, you get charged nothing. Strictly performance-based, only when we get you money back, we take a small percentage. Uh, the best way to go sign up and get a bonus 
kind of getting started uh, free money is to go to Helium 10's partner page, click on the Gatita link. That'll take That's you to the That's a hub.helium10.com, yep. by the way, guys. So hub.helium10.com, type in Gatita, and then what, what are they going to see when they when they see that? Yeah, you're going to see us on the partner page with a link there to sign up, and it's going to have a special offer there for you. So as soon as you click on that link, it'll take you over to our landing page. You're going to have a special offer right there uh, that you can click on. That's free money to get started. No long-term commitment, no contract. We're not locking you. This is not, we're not a cell phone company. We're here to help sellers, <laughs> Amazon FBA sellers. Uh, so you're going to get this money up front for free to give us a try. If you're not happy after you try that month, after you, you know, go through that first amount of money, you're welcome to leave. Like I said, we're not locking you into a contract. So uh, we'd like to see you stick around. And again, once you get past that first initial offer uh, bonus that we give you, uh, then we're going to charge a, a small fee to kind of keep going forward from there, which I'll just tell everybody it's 25%. We're going to charge you 25% again, only if we recover money. If a month goes by and we didn't get you any money, we charge you zero. Absolutely. So then not. if you find a thousand dollars worth of stuff that Amazon owes me, they pay me a thousand. You're taking 250 and I pocket the, the 750. Correct. That's correct. And and like I said, if we spend eight hours on that issue and they don't give you a dime, we're not going to charge you anything, Bradley. All right. Now back to Fernando. What else was part of your launch uh, strategy? Uh, and, and then real quick, fast forward to the end. Like, like what's their daily unit sales, at, you know, after your after after launch? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, last I checked, they were about three months in. They're hitting about 100 units a day. Um, and so yeah, it's great. Great margins. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure we'll probably get it to like 200, 250, uh, in the coming months, especially during Q4. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, other things we're always testing new strategies with influencers right now. So we're, uh, we're messing a lot with both Instagram and TikTok influencers right now, we're kind of doing seeding campaigns. Uh, we also do kind of like outreach campaigns to people that follow your competitor brands. Um, and so, I don't know, let's say you have a coffee brand and then there's another like really similar, but like bigger coffee brand. Then we'll kind of, uh, we'll test kind of engaging with the followers of that like incumbent brand and try to engage them, getting them to try the product. But yeah, there's a lot of like cool stuff that you can do outside of Amazon that's helping you build like that initial traction for the brand that we're, we're starting to, to test out right now. And that's been pretty effective. Okay. Now, um, you know, it could be about this launch or it could be about anything at all, but we, we do something on this uh, podcast we call the, the TST 30-second tip. So, you know, you've been giving us good strategies, but what's something you can say like 30 seconds to a minute or less that's like quick hitting and and actionable and, and somewhat unique, you know, like not 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 some run-of-the-mill strategy, but but something unique that you think you guys are doing that can help sellers out there? All right. So yeah, one other cool advertising thing that we've been messing around with is uh, Amazon's new like search query performance report within brand analytics. And so you can use that, use that to like, kind of understand your, uh, your conversion rates a lot better, but and then also comparing that to the search term impression share advertising reports, uh, which I don't think a lot of people currently use. Um, and so basically it, by comparing those two reports, you can start identifying which terms you're underinvested in and then overinvested in. And so I think like basically as of right now, there's kind of like a there's a big shift, right, from everyone thinking about um, ACOS and then kind of moving to tacos, you know, probably over the last like three or four years. But I think now that Amazon's constantly introducing more reporting, 
then I think it's going to get it's going to be uh, become more and more necessary for you to be really sophisticated. I think in terms of understanding the different conversion rates, uh, how your competitors are converting, um, the, the average conversion for your category, and then just trying to figure out where you're strong and, and kind of adjusting your bidding strategy based on that. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Now um, I always ask, you know, how we can find you on the interwebs, but uh, actually you guys are in our, our seller solutions hub, right? I am. Yeah, I'm excited to be there. Thanks, Ryan. Shout out so to Ryan. So hub.helium10.com, and then what should they type into the search engine there? And then also, you know, how can they how can they find you elsewhere as well? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, our agency is called Marketplace Ops. So yeah, they can find us by searching there. But then you can always um, reach out at Fernando at marketplaceops.com or just on our website as well and find more info. All right. Now, uh, Rob, your turn now for uh, our 30-second tip TST. Yeah, so one of the tips I want to give Bradley uh, with a quick 30 seconds is uh, take a look at YouTube. I think YouTube is not being utilized as much uh, for people that are selling on Amazon FBA. As we all know, everybody goes to Amazon to search for a product. And once they got that product, let's say if it comes to either a feature or maybe how to do something like replacing a battery on a remote, they're going to do a Google search. So I suggest to build out your brand or your product, uh, go over to YouTube, start a YouTube channel, Put some videos in there on how to replace a battery or more about your product or brand. And I think that's a really quick way to kind of extend out, uh, you know, promoting your product and brand uh, that's not necessarily on Amazon. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like it. Now, you, you mentioned how to get in contact with Gatita, but if people want to find you out there on the interwebs, what's the best way to, to, to find you out there? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on all social media platforms under either Rob Stanley or Robbie Stanley or OBBY. Uh, just look it up. It's pretty easy. Or you feel free to email me directly if you have any questions. Rob at Gatita.com. G-E-T-I-D-A.com. Rob at Gatita.com.